0: Hello, and welcome to the TexMix podcast, brought to you by the Texas Signal, the largest progressive media company in Texas. I'm your host, Jessica Montoya-Coggins, and today we're talking about speech with Michael Shapiro. Hello.
1: Hey, Jessica. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. So Michael is a law fellow with the First Amendment Clinic at SMU Dedham School of Law here in Dallas. Prior to that, he was with NBC Universal in New York City, where he reviewed broadcast and podcast scripts. And oh, my goodness, I could dedicate the whole episode to that.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm always happy to talk about my background. Could you, so. yeah, could you
0: give us a little preview of what you did?
1: Yeah, let me tell you what I did. And then I'll tell you what I do now, because I think our clinic's uh, a really cool thing. And I'd like reporters in Texas to know about it. Um, so my first job out of law school was actually a reporter's committee for freedom of the press, where I did a lot of work helping reporters sort of navigate public records laws and FOIA in particular. And then I transitioned over to NBC. Um, I was there for a year. I was kind of learning what in-house practice is like and how you, you know, try to stop lawsuits before they happen. And I was doing some other stuff around drone shoots, um, you know, TV stations more and more using drones where they might've used helicopters in the past, but you have to kind of be careful of local and state laws and federal law, certainly.
0: Did you ever get to work with Dateline?
1: I did get to work with Dateline. I worked a lot with um, their kind of lawyer at the time. Um, and we, Dateline, you know, they, they cover kind of high profile crimes. So wherever there's a crime, there's a lot of public, public records. That was kind of my background, and has been a big part of my legal practice since getting into it.
0: When I when I read your biography, I was like, "Oh, because uh, Keith Morrison is is my favorite. Oh, he got me through. Not... He, he got me through the pandemic." But I was just like, when I saw that, I was like, "I bet he worked a little bit with Dateline." And
1: you know, well. I should have absolutely did, like demanded to meet Keith Morrison. I like, I didn't get to do that. He's great. Um,
0: Yeah, he is very great. Uh, So now you are with the First Amendment Clinic at SMU. And so first off, that does sound extremely cool, Uh, but what do y'all do? do?
1: Yeah, it's cool in a lot of ways to me. So I'm working with students and we, on a pro bono basis, represent news reporters, news organizations that may not have legal resources, like a big newspaper or a big TV network would. So we're not helping the NBC universals of the world as much as we, are. although we do work with a lot of people, but we're helping people who just don't have a budget to, for instance, file a lawsuit to get public records or don't have a budget to defend a defamation lawsuit or to have somebody pre-review a script or a news article um, and, with Texas focus, we're here in Texas and we're really focused on the need for some free legal resources here in the state.
0: This is a great thing to know for Texas Signal as we are not one of the big guys, <laughs> but as, as yeah. always, we appreciate all of our readers and subscribers and I'll plug this again, but you can always help support us on Patreon. Uh, you can go to and become a patron. Uh, we'll plug that again. Um, so yeah. one I of, so I had the opportunity to talk with a colleague of yours at the First Amendment Clinic. Um, this was when our gubernatorial candidate, Beto O'Rourke, uh, faced a defamation lawsuit. Um, so this was, I, I remember when this happened, it seemed very curious to me. Beto kind of just sprung it on everyone that this lawsuit was happening. Um, And so the man bringing this lawsuit against O'Rourke, his name is Kelsey Warren. Uh, He is the co-founder and current chairman of the board of directors of Energy Transfer Partners. That's one of the largest oil and gas companies in the world. And his lawsuit seems to be seeking damages against O'Rourke for defamation, slander, and libel. Uh, So in the lawsuit, he alleges that And I'll quote, O'Rourke began a relentless and malicious attack on Warren by accusing him of serious crimes, including extortion, bribery, and corrupt influence, simply because Warren made a campaign contribution to Governor Abbott in June 2021 and is the former CEO of Energy Transfer. Uh, So that was a very interesting development, I think, in this race. Uh, Could you talk a little bit more about what defamation is and why Kelsey Warren Decided to pos- file this lawsuit.
1: Yeah, so you know, defamation um, happens when somebody goes out and says to other people something that's harmful to your reputation, but false. Um, in Texas, uh, what what you have to show if you're suing for defamation is that there was a false statement. Um, made to at least one other person, but certainly, you know, if you're on Twitter and have a big audience, that would count. Um, The statement has to be defamatory. So it actually has to harm your reputation in some kind of way. Um, It has to be made with the right kind of intent, which means if you are a politician, a public figure, um, there's a sort of a higher bar, um, and you have—it's not enough that the statement's false, but the person has to kind of know it's false or be really just purposely blinding themselves to whether or not it's false.
0: Okay.
1: And that's that's all from Times v. Sullivan and cases that came after it, um, which is a famous Supreme Court case that sort of said. First Amendment is implicated when we have these um, defamation lawsuits. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth thing that a plaintiff would have to show is that not only was it you know damaging to my reputation, but it caused actual damages to me that I can quantify in some way. Um, and then there are defenses to all these suits, mm-hmm. which I can get into a little bit, too. Um, I don't know if you wanted me to talk about kind of why, but the second part of your question, I think, is why did, why might Kelsey Warren have sued? And I mean, so you first have to look at what Beta was saying at the time. I think there was sort of a second, it was a year after this big winter storm, and, and maybe you can give... We proof. we all There's remember, bad we bad. all
0: remember winter storm Yuri. Uh, yeah. So this it, it was very tragic. Um, it obviously left millions of Texans without power. Um, you know, several hundred died. Um, and shortly after though, you know, energy transfers raked in 2.4 billion um, after that storm. And then a couple, well shortly after that, uh, Warren did cut it, Kelsey Warren did, Write a check to Governor Greg Abbott's reelection campaign for one million dollars. Um, so that prompted Beto to, uh, you know, hammer Abbott over this, not only over you know the storm, but also the fact that you know while people were dying, while people were freezing, you know, unsure of you know when they would be able to eat, shower, all these things. Kelsey Warren, you know, accumulates. Over two billion dollars,
1: right? Not just Kelsey Warren's company, but or and we should say his company, right? Um, but um, gas gas supply companies and, and energy companies, some of them did did pretty well in that storm. That just has to do with the way that these companies are regulated in Texas. And um, but obviously, it's source of controversy and something that people have written about. And what Beto is focusing on, I think, was that you know some decisions get made at the state level um, about how we regulate gas companies, how how we deal with spikes in prices. Um, and after the storm, these companies, some some of these companies doing really well. And so we get another storm coming, and O'Rourke is talking about. This issue, is campaigning on this issue, and I think he, there are five or six statements and some new statements that were added by the plaintiff in their amended complaint. But I can just go through some of them. Sure. Of
0: yeah. The, let us let really us know.
1: To, yeah. Yeah. You, you have to look at actually what was said and what they're what they're suing over. So most of them are tweets. Um, O'Rourke goes on Twitter and he says, we won't be good to go until gas supply companies are ready for cold weather. But you, Greg Abbott, left them off the hook because gas CEOs like Kelsey Warren donated millions to your re-election campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one statement that actually names Kelsey Warren uh, personally. Um, He has some other tweets. Later, I think that was the first one that they focused on in the lawsuit. Um, five or six days later, he's referring to the people who died in the February snowstorm, Yuri um, on Twitter, and says they were killed, by, were killed by incompetence and corruption of Abbott, who hasn't required gas CEOs to do anything because they've donated millions to Abbott's campaign. So, you know, maybe that's a reference to Warren, maybe that's a reference to all the companies. Um, Warren has been kind of a top executive at one of the biggest companies, but you don't see him named in that one.
0: Yeah, I was going through, I I am not a legal mind. My legal references come from really law and order, Um, (laughs) but I, you know, it did seem like he had the series of tweets. Some of them do directly mention Warren Um, and, but as you mentioned, there is this extremely high bar for defamation. So it is not just enough for you basically to say, um, you know, so-and-so is corrupt, uh, which is a good thing for us at the Texas Signal, uh, who, who do that pretty much on a daily basis for various individuals. Um, so for cases that have been successful with defamation, what sort of is that that goes from sort of that, that bar of just it is truly harmful and this is like this is how how we proved that, or it was done with that intent of doing damage.
1: Yeah, so I, I think I probably went a little fast over it, but Times v. Sullivan is this kind of landmark Supreme Court case where the New York Times was sued over a political ad, basically, or an ad about some officials in the South who were In power, police power, and uh, we're being criticized by people in the civil rights movement, and they get sued over that. The Supreme Court says, you know, even if those statements, some of them were false, um, you know, if you're a publicly elected sheriff or police commissioner, or just a public official, basically, um, you have to prove actual malice. And that's a legal term, so it's not necessarily kind of the Laypersons, like what is malice, maliciousness, but, but what that plaintiff will have to show, if if they're a public official at least, is that the speaker, the person being sued, knew that the statement was false, or you know, uttered the statement um, with reckless disregard for what the truth actually was, mm-hmm. and that has proven to be a high bar. That's by designs. Supreme Court says, you know, when we're talking about public officials and public actions, we want there to be a real free flow of ideas and people to be able to be critical, even if, you know, maybe in a few cases, they're, they turn out to be wrong later. Um, you know, we still want to have that dialogue. Um, and that's been extended to public figures who are not necessarily elected officials, but people who tend to be you know, very prominent and involved in public affairs in some way. And so you see that um, in, in this lawsuit or in the First Amendment, the amended lawsuit, I'll pull it up just so I have it in front of me, I can quote from it. Um, but one thing that's going to be important here is is kelsey warren a public figure mm-hmm. um i believe that his team has said that he is yeah they, they say he's a private citizen who has not spoken publicly not sought publicity concerning the matters that o'rourke is talking about um and therefore you know insinuating that he's Committed extortion or bribery, you know that that's going to be tough to do. Is what yeah. they're saying. That's I guess
0: that I guess problem. that is a question. If and you're so Fortune 500 CEO, question. if you're Fortune right. 500 CEO, if you and he has donated a lot. And in, in mm-hmm. we're in we're both in Dallas. There's a a giant park downtown that he basically uh, bequeathed and. Um, I guess this is a little reminiscent of the Larry Flint trial. That for me is what I always think of when, when I think of, of defamation. Um, but Texas actually does have a history of defamation cases, uh, especially for political figures. Could you talk a little bit, of, and I, uh, when we were writing about this for Texas Signal, uh, your colleague mentioned this case, um, but this case Car- Carvey Brasher and what that, what that meant for defamation. Yeah, well, I
1: can absolutely get to Carvey Brasher because that's you know one of these cases that's um, has to do all with with the political campaign and the type of speech it's made there. But I I think it might be good just to sort of talk about this public figure distinction because oh that, sure yeah absolutely you know that oftentimes is kind of the decisive thing in a case where where you have somebody who's you know they're not the governor being sued right or who's suing but it's somebody who's we all know him or a lot of people know, know the plaintiff here, but what does state law have to say about whether they are you know, held to this higher standard? Um, we do know that Kelsey Warren made this a million dollar contribution to, to Greg Abbott and he, he you know, contributes to certain He's in the political sphere as a donor and, and gives to candidates.
0: Sure, he's a, he's a major uh, fixture actually for the yeah, yeah, no, Republican absolutely. side. He hosted, uh, when Donald Trump was running, running for re-election in 2020, he hosted him at, at his Dallas home. Um, yeah,
1: so he, he holds events apparently. I mean, I don't know his whole background as well as you're going to know it, but but we know he gave a ton of money to, to Abbott. And it's a matter of state law, you know, who is a public figure and who is not. I don't know of any cases that say, you know, a political donor is a public figure or a really big political donor like this is. There's certainly Supreme Court case law that says money is speech and it's a way that we speak and express ourselves. And that's controversial, but that's Supreme Court precedent. So you might be able to say, well, that person's speaking a lot if they're giving a million dollars and that might bring them closer to the controversy that O'Rourke is talking about. He's also, like you said, runs just a huge energy company that was certainly uh, controversial in the aftermath of that storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a test for this. So what Texas courts will go through is they say, is this a public controversy that was being talked about? Um, That's one of the prongs. Is it a public controversy that people discuss and people other than the immediate participants, I guess those would be Warren and Abbott in this case, are likely to be impacted by? And then does the plaintiff, in this case, Warren, have more than a tangential role in that controversy And then third is kind of the statement actually germane to to the controversy itself. Like if you were talking about me and I had been involved in some really important business deal that was shady in some way, but your statement was that I was, you know, committing adultery or doing some other unrelated crime that wouldn't be related to the controversy. So I tend to think that's, that's a, Maybe an uphill battle for for Mr. Warren here, um, but it's it's not settled law. So the court's going to have to go through those factors and and make make a stab at it. And perhaps the Court of Appeals or the Texas Supreme Court gets the way in, depending on how far the case goes. But that's going to be important because if he's got to prove actual malice, then you're you're just going to give a politician, O'Rourke on Twitter, more leeway to say, you know, sure, I'm I'm saying Abbott was acting corruptly, but that's, it's just, throughout all those statements, you're just gonna say, well, maybe that was opinion or maybe when uh, O'Rourke talks about extortion, he's not, you know, talking about it in a legal sense so much as, you know, you can use that mm-hmm. statement just to mean you're leveraging somebody, um, legal or or otherwise. Even though extortion itself is a crime, and usually if 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 it's a case not involving public figures, you say if you just say somebody committed a crime that they didn't, that's defamation. But
0: so it's a, it sounds like this case is not just sort of like that cut and dry all right, I was defamed and here, here is what happened. And so there are like a lot of things that go into each of these cases. And Yeah, these
1: cases can get very fact-specific and you're talking about, you know, what is the meaning of the English language, which is, you know, it, endlessly complex. And, and a lot of times words can have dual meanings and and there are all sorts of defenses to, to speech to defamation cases, because again, Supreme Court, the state Supreme Courts do want to encourage, you know, uh, robust public debates about issues of public importance. So I don't know, you know, how, how far this case goes, but but there are arguments to be made. I, I think one of the statements in particular, you know, is, is
0: if They're you can say that
1: it was definitely about Warren is sort of the gas supply companies bought Abbott off. That that could be, you know, something that they have to work through, whether that was a about war and whether that was opinion or fact. And, and we have a long way to go to see, you know, really how the case shapes up and, and what what the sticking points are. There's going to be a hearing, I think it's in June, where they decide what. there's a motion to dismiss that was filed in this case and also a motion to transfer venue. So it's being, the the suit was brought in San Saba County where Mr. Warren apparently owns a ranch, not in Dallas where where his company is based. Um, The defendants or the defendant uh, O'Rourke has sought to move it to Dallas where maybe they'll get a different judge. And um, so they're fighting over that and they're fighting over whether it should just be dismissed now or whether the, the court needs to hear more and the the two litigants need to learn more about each other mm-hmm. play through discovery.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, that, one of the things that I have learned uh, that is a difference between law and order in real life mm-hmm. is that the law actually does take a significant amount of time. It will not get wrapped up in 45 minutes.
1: Yeah, law and order, man, it moves fast, but uh, some of the courts, <laughs> the wheels of justice can grind slowly, you know, particularly if you're observing and waiting for the next development as a reporter.
0: Uh, So I jumped ahead a little bit. Uh, I was talking about this uh, previous Texas case that concerned defamation. Uh, So I was wondering if you could chat a little bit about that. It was Carr v. Brasher. It involved the former mayor of South Houston and I believe his election opponent and some uh, some campaign brochures.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. So it, this is not the first time that a campaign has gotten heated and, and somebody has taken offense to what a political candidate says. You, you know, I think in the journalism world, we, we think a lot about lawsuits filed against media companies or against reporters, but sometimes they're like this one where somebody's suing a politician for something they said. And, and that was the case in Carvey Brasher. You had, I think it was a challenger, who um, was running for mayor this this, this city? I guess just south. South Houston. I think it's an enclave in, in yeah. Houston, if I'm remembering that correctly. And they these are kind of uh, you read them today, and you say that this sort of sounds.
0: A little quaint almost. <laughs> like like a very
1: nice insult to be. I
0: know, you know yeah. One
1: so of them's I- like, the mayor said no tax is Baloney. What's, what's wrong with City Hall? And so that's defamatory, apparently, um, because it insinuates that the mayor raised taxes, I guess. And, and what kind of management has this mayor brought to city governments? Uh, accused the mayor of leaving the city to ruin a, a you have only four months left to ruin us before the election. Um, I think he called the mayor's administration, compared it to a banana republic with a police state mentality. So some of them you know, are a little bit edgier than others. The baloney thing, you know, I hope my worst opponents say that I'm full of baloney.
0: Yes. Um,
1: but it accused him of cronyism and some, some things that aren't so nice. And basically, uh, the court and Carvey Brasher, this goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. And gets sort of first, the defendant wins at the trial court level, the Court of Appeals in Houston says, no, we don't think this, this case is so easy. And so they overturn it. And then when it goes up to the Supreme Court, they say, nope, this, this, this case is no good and essentially say, look, this is a campaign. Brasher is a public figure. That's the person who is suing. Um, and again, high bar. Um, and I can go in a little more detail, but um, I, you, yeah. don't see, you don't see much discussion of that case in the filings in Kelsey v. Warren. And it's a different kind of case because it's you know, one candidate suing another. You don't necessarily; it's not as hard a case in terms of the public figure thing, but, but it
0: did. It seems like it did enshrine a little bit of what sort of defamation is in Texas, or what reaches that level.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, it just—I think it illustrates that you know when we're talking about elections, that that's certainly a public kind of matter where where this this higher. Protection for speech is going to be mm-hmm. required,
0: and, and so there certainly are a lot of high-profile defamation cases that have occurred or ongoing. I know we've, I, I personally, the the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is very, I it, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't necessarily like it. Um, but are there any other cases that have caught your radar? In the past couple of years, that you think have been interesting, or maybe alerted the public to, def, you know, defamation being a, uh, a, a this legal concept. Yeah, I mean, I guess
1: especially in terms of you know, if you're somebody who's observing Warren v. O'Rourke, um, because I think who is a public figure is going to be important there. Um, you have Sarah Palin who's sued largely to challenge this idea that public figures who who are suing somebody for libel should have to be made subject to that higher standard. There, there's sort of a movement and a couple of Supreme Court justices who want to revisit, not necessarily Times v. Sullivan, which talks about speech about public officials, but Some subsequent cases that expanded that to just speech about celebrities or speech about public figures. And I do think there's some appetite um, among I won't say conservatives, but but it's maybe a little bit more uh, people on that side of the spectrum. It's Clarence Thomas is the sort of maybe the leading person who's been pushing for this, but to revisit whether public figures sort of get held to that same standard. So Sarah Palin sued because the New York Times had um, had written about, I guess it was a politic something that was put out by her political action committee. And it was, I believe after she was public, publicly elected, she was no longer the governor of Alaska she was not even, you know, running for to be vice president of the U.S. at that time, and I don't know that that's the best vehicle to to challenge the public figure standard because she was she's just such a big person and so intricately involved in the political sphere. But um, you kind of see that same tension here mm-hmm. with Kelsey Warren saying, "I'm a private citizen," even though. Certainly he's involved in politics and has you know puts his money behind candidates and a lot of it more yeah. more, than, more than most people
0: yeah it. I know the the New York Times editorial board did issue a retraction later that day and I think they did um, Bennett testified that ed, the former editor testified to it being a hastily done thing oh uh, uh, there you know sadly in our country there are many shootings and so they had written something and, and said that Sarah Palin had Done something which she hadn't done, but I remember, uh, you know, in that trial, which sure, yeah, they did go, did go, go to t- trial, and they they did show clips, I think, of her many public appearances post post political life, including the mass singer, which I have to imagine that's the first time the right. mass singer has ever been used as evidence in a trial. Although I could be wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, she gets asked during, I guess, uh, when she's on the stand about, you know you were on The Mass Singer, right? She said, yeah, it was one of the most fun things I did. The reason she's asked about that is, you know, people who are on The Mass Singer tend to be celebrities and, and therefore public figures. And she's done some things that definitely, you know, mm-hmm. continued her celebrity in this country and we still know who she is. Mm-hmm. So if that public figure standard means anything, um, she's got to show more in a defamation case than just Joe, Joe's citizen, Joanne's citizen out there who, you know, is just completely unknown to the public until they get mentioned by somebody somehow.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating. I'm going to be very curious about what happens in this uh, case, O'Rourke v. Warren, and we'll certainly be, on the lookout for anything deformation related. Michael, is there anything else you'd like to, to share with us about uh, you know, what y'all's clinic does or if people want to reach out to y'all, how, the, how they go about doing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the easiest way is you sort of go on SMU Dedman School of Law website and you probably can Google smu first amendment clinic and our our page will pop up and i think my contact info is up there for now um and you know we're we're really easy we we try to respond to everything and and it's all kinds of expressions I, i did talk a little bit about the work we do with news reporters but it's not just that so everything except for sort of the religion part of the First Amendment where we're here and we're a resource for the public.
0: Well, it's very important, especially in, in these times where we have seen many attacks on the First Amendment. It's great to know that there are folks that are helping to enshrine that most, most, well, I guess the number one, although I don't know if it's totally ranked like that, uh, but one of one of our rights.
1: Yeah, and I just I can't say enough about the students we have here. They work really hard, and, and I don't know. It, it's, it's a great, a great resource, I think, for the public. So, yeah, well,
0: I hope. I, I hope, I hope maybe maybe when he makes his publicity rounds, Keith Morrison will get a chance to to, <laughs> to visit to visit Dallas, and yeah. maybe he'll he'll stop in.
1: <laughs> Let's hope.
0: Not gonna <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much to, to Michael Shapiro for joining us today. Um, be sure to subscribe. Uh, we're available wherever you are. You get your podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google. I think we're up on Amazon now. Uh, and the text Mix is also online. We're on all social media channels. And you can also follow the Texas Signal. Uh, as I mentioned before, we are on Patreon. Uh, you can go to texassignal.com slash donate and become a patron. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk to y'all soon.